We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell and for the next hour we're going to excite, entertain, elucidate and educate you with news, information, and discussion about your favorite geeks, this is Fantastic Forum. First, some genre-related news before we get to today's show. Today is Free Comic Book Day. Taking place on the first Saturday of May, Free Comic Book Day is the annual promotional event for the comic book industry created to get new readers into comic book retail outlets. Visit your local comic book specialty store today for creator signings, special guests, cosplay, a wide variety of special activities, and of course, free comic books. Publishers designate a number of titles for distribution without charge that will introduce new readers to what's happening and delight current readers and fans. For a complete list of free titles and to locate the specialty outlet near you, visit freecomicbookday.com. The 2019 Will Eisner Comic Industry Award nominees were announced last week. First awarded in 1988, the Eisners recognize outstanding creative achievement in comic books. And the award is frequently referred to as the comic industry's Oscar. The Eisners are a centerpiece of the San Diego Comic-Con International. You can find a link to the page with all the categories and nominees on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Fantastic Forum. And while you're there, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. Hulu announced that Gabriel Luna will star in its Ghost Rider live action series. This is the second go-round for Luna as the Marvel Comics character. He previously portrayed Ghost Rider in the ABC TV series Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Despite that, Hulu has said that the version of Ghost Rider in their show will be completely new and have no connection whatsoever to the character Luna played on S.H.I.E.L.D. Ingrid Escajeda, who has worked as producer on Justified and Empire, will serve as showrunner. Paul Bisniewski and Jeff Loeb will executive produce. Today is also National Star Wars Day. Held annually on May 4th, it is a celebration of fandom for George Lucas's fantasy sci-fi masterpiece. And it apparently all began with a pun. Margaret Thatcher was elected as the United Kingdom's first female prime minister on May 4th, 1979. The victorious Conservative Party took out a newspaper ad that read, May the fourth be with you, Maggie. Congratulations. The phrase wasn't connected with a Star Wars-themed holiday until 2008 when a social media fan group celebrating something called Luke Skywalker Day adopted the pun as a slogan. While other Star Wars-themed holidays have been proposed, including Los Angeles Star Wars Day on May 25th in celebration of the release date of the original movie and Revenge of the Fifth, 
a pun on Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, none have caught on with the same vigor as May the Fourth Be With You. You can learn more about Star Wars Day by visiting nationaltoday.com backslash star hyphen wars hyphen day. And there was some sad news this week in connection with Star Wars. Actor Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca the Wookiee in the first seven movies, died on April 30, 2019. Mayhew had retired from the role after The Force Awakens in 2015. He was 74. Marvel Studios' Avengers Endgame has literally taken the world by storm. In its first six days of release, the movie earned over $514 million domestically and another $1,400,000,000 internationally for a worldwide total of over $1,900,000,000. The movie will break the $2 billion mark after today, and it'll surely overtake James Cameron's Avatar as highest grossing picture of all time. We're talking about Endgame on today's episode, but first, here is the official FF Review. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. Avengers Endgame is unquestionably the most anticipated movie in decades. Slightly less than a year ago, the first part of the two-part story, Avengers Infinity War, premiered to great fanfare. Even though I knew going in that the film was a cliffhanger, it left me sorely disappointed and anxious for the finale. This is the 22nd movie in the series that began with Iron Man in 2008, and the story that started there has continued and built to a climax in Endgame. The development of the shared universe depicted in the movies has been a tremendous success for Marvel Entertainment and its parent company, Disney, which acquired the studio in a merger 10 years ago. The intellectual property that is the foundation of Marvel has generated billions of dollars in revenue. The genius behind the studio is Kevin Feige. His stewardship has seen the production of a series of films that are tied together in an unprecedented way, similar to the way the comic book universe has been. Marvel Comics readers could regularly expect to see heroes interacting, encountering one another on the streets or rooftops of Manhattan, and appearing in one another's stories. It became a hallmark of the world that Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, Don Heck, and many, many other talented writers and artists created in collaboration. And Feige fully actualized the goal of transitioning the comics onto the silver screen. He did so by recognizing what made the vast and varied collection of heroes and villains popular and by retaining their essence. So, as part two opens, we find the remaining Avengers team, that is, those who didn't blow away as dust, trying to recover from the devastating loss inflicted upon them by Thanos, the Mad Titan. Of course, Thanos acquired the Infinity Gauntlet and literally erased half of all living creatures. The team, joined by the remaining members of the Guardians of the Galaxy, seek to somehow challenge the now omnipotent Thanos and restore those who were lost. Frequently, the second part of a cliffhanger fails to meet expectations. Even well-regarded and long-lived franchises like Star Wars and Star Trek have fallen into the trap of a second part of a story that ends up being a letdown to fans who have waited months or even years for a conclusion. And I've been an especially harsh judge of stories that started out exciting but ultimately ended on a sour note and failing to live up to expectations created by part one. 
Avengers Endgame is a welcome departure from such tales that have left enthusiastic fans shaking their heads in dismay. It is an engaging and heartwarming story that will resonate with moviegoers. It remains tense and exciting while injecting elements of humor and fun. As expected, the performance by lead cast members is strong. An obvious advantage is that these actors have spent years developing their characters, and audiences have become invested as well as emotionally connected through the series. The producers capitalize on all of this to maximum effect. In particular, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Jeremy Renner, Mark Ruffalo, and Chris Hemsworth are outstanding. As the original Avengers team members, we share their sense of loss and suffering, as well as their determination to find the means to defeat Thanos. Josh Brolin also does a great turn as the victorious Thanos. Continuity behind the camera is a tremendous asset. Writers Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely are intimately familiar with the characters and material, and the directing team of Anthony and Joe Russo have refined their craft with earlier installments of Marvel movies and really bring it home in Endgame. And it was a real pleasure for me to see Jim Starlin get some writing credit. Of course, he is the creator of Thanos in the comic books. All the technical elements are flawless, and Alan Silvestri again contributes a stirring musical score. The one drawback is the runtime, which is just over three hours, and there's no intermission. But the pacing is great, and audiences won't be checking their watches. But it is a sophisticated film with a lot of exposition and not ideal for smaller children. It's rated PG-13 for action-adventure fantasy. There's no nudity, sexual situations, or questionable language, but I wouldn't take kids younger than about 12 because of the length. As a fan of the comic books, I'm curious about what happens in the upcoming Phase 4. The comics characters essentially remain unchanged over decades of issues. The cinematic universe has the opportunity to go in another direction. It will be interesting to see what the producers decide. But Avengers Endgame is a terrific movie, and absolutely the most satisfying part two I've ever seen. This will be one of the biggest movies ever. Marvel Studios' best. Four stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. And there you have it, the official Arlington in the morning, listen to me, the official Fantastic Forum review of Avengers Endgame. I don't even know what show I'm doing. Anyway, look, uh, I am joined in studio today by my wonderful panelists, Shereen Nicole, Julian Lytle, and Brandon Troy. And uh, I have made certain that you have all heard the review so, uh, what do you think? What do you, you think of my review? You agree? Uh, you disagree? You, yeah, you agree? You disagree? I, I, I thought I covered all the bases. What do you think? It seems like you changed your mind because I was expecting more of a three out of four, but you were a little bit more critical. Oh, I can be totally critical of the movie and still give it a fantastic. I mean, it was a great movie. You know, I mean, so hey, I, I, just because I felt, you know, and, and here's the thing, and I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. Let me explain why I gave it four stars out of four, even though I'm extremely critical of it. I think that technically it was very proficient. Uh, I like what um, the Russo brothers did, I like the script. 
I thought they were masterful in terms of the way they manipulated me and the rest of the audience to elicit a certain emotion. Because, uh, as uh, I've heard it said, this movie is all about the feels. Indeed. I know <laughs> yeah. someone who said that. Yes, I think it was you, as a matter <laughs> of fact. You know. So, um, And because of that, I said, this is an absolutely stellar piece of filmmaking and deserving of a top review. Now, that having been said, I can still be extremely critical of what they did <laughs> because they manipulated me and the rest of the audience. And that doesn't mean that I like it any less, but I'm aware of it. And I think that, uh, the, all right, uh, frankly, what bothers me is that there are a lot of people who weren't aware that they were manipulated or just flat out didn't care. I mean, I've seen a bunch of people talking about, oh, it was the greatest movie of all time. And, and it's certainly making money like that. I mean, you heard, geez, because let me tell you something. 350? Yeah, oh, over five. No, Domestically, it's like a two billion right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, in fact, yeah, right now, oh, Julian, because they're making they're making uh, two billion this week. Before this weekend, today, mm -hmm. I mean, yesterday, it stood at five hundred and nineteen million domestically, and another one point eight in the international market. This thing, and it, it, it we're talking about. It's been out seven days. Crazy. This is this is cra yeah, crazy. Crazy. It's crazy. not crazy, but. They did that on purpose. <laughs> well, I mean, no, because it's a wholly satisfying movie. I think that that's the, the main thing about it is we have paid our due, so to speak, with 22 films. 11 we have, years. Yeah, we have put our hearts and emotions into these films. And Endgame is payback. Yeah, it rewards a <laughs> lot of those things. And it's funny, you, you were talking about... Uh, how it was masterfully done. I think a large part of that, and I don't think it's getting enough credit uh, that kind of plays a role into that, is uh, the score, the music, because there were a lot of callbacks in that regard mm -hmm. in Alan terms Silvestri. of... Yeah, in terms of what we've had in the MCU so far, I mean, uh, a couple of the moments that come to mind immediately is uh, with Captain America when Tony first when Tony gives him. And I'm sorry, oh, we're going into no, 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 wait, no, no, no. That's fine. Do we need to give Excuse that warning? Me. Here be spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> we absolutely to need that. to. We absolutely <laughs> need to give a disclaimer, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because yes. Listening to this show, if you have not seen, if you're one of the people who hasn't been able to get a ticket because the thing you. is sold out, well, it, let me tell you something. Even though a lot of theaters have been open 24 hours, hours a day, you know, that I, I know of a couple of people who haven't been able to go because every time they've tried to get a ticket, the theater has been sold, sold out. out. Yeah. That's so yeah. Wild. So I'm sorry if that's the case. Turn this show off or <laughs> pause it until you see it because there will be spoilers brandon please. all right so with the music uh there was a moment that comes immediately to mind when uh tony gives cap his shield back which is a major moment because at that point he had taken it away and said that he didn't earn it in civil war but we actually had a call back to the original score from first avenger um i don't know if anyone like uh, recognized it but it was captain america's um original th uh theme um, and then, I guess, outside of the score, uh, one of the other things, just in general, that was very pleasing is, is the thematically, there were a lot of things, um, aside from the callbacks that we had in general from other films, like the elevator scene from, from Winter Soldier, uh, <laughs> that, that was like an awesome moment. 
I, I recently had a chance to, as a matter of fact, I saw it before I came here today, um, just to have it fresh in my mind so I could look back at a couple of things because there was a lot of to Wait, unpack. Wait, Avengers and, uh, sorry, Avengers yes, Endgame? I did. I did. Because there was a oh lot to unpack. There was a lot to unpack. Yeah. But the thing that's going to be interesting is in terms of, we were commenting on how much money it's, it's made, but it has potential to really have legs because um, it actually has a lot of thematically things in regards to fatherhood and in terms of, you know, passing it down from one generation to the other, um, whether it's with the scene that, whether it's with the relationship or the send-off that we have between the two Starks, um, whether it's with uh, uh, Hawkeye and his family, like, I mean, we have uh, well, we have uh, next next month. I mean, we're already in May, but next month, I mean, we have uh, Father's Day, and, and I have a feeling like it could actually have some legs going into uh, you know further down the line hmm. um, because of all the other thematic things that it, it has to uh, offer. So, okay, all right. Well, um, it's a lot of what you're talking about has to do with the emotion, yeah. Brandon. Yeah. So, um, I would like to ask each of you, and Shireen will start with you, uh, it, it, again, emotionally, what what moments, what things resonated most profoundly with you emotionally in this movie? Emotionally? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, one of the things that stood out to me was um, I looked at Hawkeye and I looked at Tony Stark. Um, and the way that they were kind of counterpoints for each other. Thor is also in that in a way, mm-hmm. but especially Hawkeye and Tony, uh, Cliff, <laughs> you know, um, because Clint and Tony, because for once Tony came up on the outside upside of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. He all mm-hmm. of his people were intact: his best friend, his woman, his his other boy, and then he got you know the, the treat of having an amazing little girl. Though on the flip side, poor Clint. <laughs> lost everybody except his best friend Mm, that mm -hmm. and then he was on such a bender Mm -hmm. um yeah that ronan bender from the comic books yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and and so that really resonated with me uh the pain that he was in and how clint handled it as opposed to how tony handles loss and the fact that again tony has this way of being um sanctimonious sometimes Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he had everything perfect and, and that idea that, that, you know, seeing his friends in pain because also Thor had had a lot of loss. So for me, it was the way that these characters were dealing with loss and the way they, you know, kind of got through it to go into the time heist. And, and the, it's really, for me, the whole film is about the resurgence of hope. Hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Julian? Um Oh. Was there anything that resonated with you emotionally? And I if so, what at was some it? parts. Some <laughs> jokes was good. Dude Thor is funny. The dude Thor is funny. You know what I'm saying? It was cool. I saw y'all. Y'all was geeking. Y'all almost feel like the energy was good in the theater. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Cap got me on her. That was I, I felt the electricity in the room. That was a mm. great moment. But salt, like, salt, salt, like salt, a lot salt. it's not even salt. Like I ain't got no like this ain't got nothing for me like that. It's like it's a movie. I should go see it just cause of other I had to go see it. Like I it's work. Like I'm gonna get through this. <laughs> what about you, Ulysses? What was your emotional connection? Hmm. Well, okay. Um and thank you for 
asking me that, Shireen, uh, because I don't, I, 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 Julian, I wasn't exactly you, but because I was aware that I was being manipulated, um, I, I, I felt a little bit differently about this. And, and I have to preface this by saying I learned a long time ago about how they do in these Marvel movies, okay? It was Iron Man 2. And because I walked out of Iron Man 2 saying, well, proclaiming that that movie was the greatest comic book movie of all time. I still don't and, understand. And it, and it wasn't. What, what and it wasn't. Were. Okay, yeah. No, but I'll, and I'll tell you what it was. I was manipulated. There was that scene on the racetrack in Monaco. And uh, <laughs> Whiplash turns on his gear. He steps out onto the track. The... The, the the coveralls start burning off of him and then he extends the whips and he's whipping the tarmac and there's welts in the tarmac and I was sitting in the theater screaming you okay know, mm. you know I mean I, I was so emotionally <laughs> hyped yeah. over that yeah you know? <laughs> I identify with that too because mm-hmm. sidebar Mm-hmm. That's how when we first saw uh, Justice League, mm-hmm. just seeing Superman smile was a manipulation for me. So I came out like, yeah, they fixed it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about it, and I was like, no, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and and that cold realization because I slept on it, and then the following day I was like, nah, Iron Man was a way better movie than this, you Much know. Better. But again, what happened was the the filmmakers were very adept at manipulating the audience and then on top of that if you have any sort of emotional investment in these characters which I have in spades having read the comic books I mean let alone whatever investment I may have in the in the film care exactly and so uh, you you are just wow okay but and, and actually see a lot of the stuff that I liked made me mad at the same time like okay you know Julian you mentioned uh, Iron, uh, sorry, Captain America with Thor's hammer. All right, he should have been able to lift that thing from the beginning, you know, in the other movie. But, but they yeah, needed but that as a plot device, so you knew that the vision was okay. I don't feel like so, it's mm-hmm. a plot device, though. I, I mean, yeah, no, in the other movie, in that, that was way, why. Yeah, yes, and also, that was why they couldn't let. But the progression uh, of Cap as well, because that's what Marvel does so well. They give you such a good progression that when a moment happens, it has been so well built and so well led up to that there is a huge joy in it. They don't let you down when they when they give you a moment. Yes, Cap could have picked up Mjolnir way back when, but him doing it here? I yeah. would make the argument that he couldn't, and the only reason why I say that or is... Are you the one who said this? No, somebody, no, somebody I've, heard, no, I've, I've heard theories yeah. about mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. but I mean, a lot of them, I've heard all types of theories about it, but I th- I want to say one that I have heard, and, and I, again, I don't take credit for this, but it, make, it does make sense, is before he was harboring, saying Captain America, he was harboring, you know, some... Uh, uh, some baggage in mm-hmm. terms of his relationship. Yeah, having to not shared, shared with the Tony. So you have heard this theory, yeah, right? You know, that he knew so that his parents the fact were that murdered. He's yeah. already divulged mm-hmm. this by the time Civil War comes around, and they've actually like reconciled. Um, that that I've heard the theory before, and it does make sense that that would be the moment that he actually earned it versus nah, that before. That doesn't this make is sense. Before, but going um, Thor. Yeah, um, I mean, either you're worthy or you're not, you know. Yeah. Although, now, although, but see, it, it's, it's a big leap because I don't think personally that that would be enough to render Captain America unworthy. I don't think so either. So, I think yeah, it was just know. really good mm-hmm. storytelling. <laughs> like, because you, let me tell you something, that's what, and I'm not going to get into this, but that's what DC hasn't figured out with their films yet. 
building to a satisfying emotional climax. I hope they never figure it out. I don't want to see any no, more listen, universes. Listen, I'm not saying. Now listen, I'm not saying do it the way. Mar- you know this. I always say DC should do it their way. But I'm talking about storytelling yeah. and building to a moment that you've earned. I'm talking about earned moments, whether it be two hours or 22 times two. You know. But You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined in studio today by Shireen Nicole, Brandon Troy, and Julian Lytle. Now, uh, one thing that I want to say about that, and it, it still comes back around to... Uh, to filmmaking because um, you know it, it, what Marvel has done and you know it's it's unprecedented and I can't give enough credit for how they started out with Iron Man and then they built on that and all of these movies were interconnected I mean somebody was saying yeah 20 this is a culmination of 22 stories you're not going to be able to get any more satisfying kind of filmmaking because this was a multi-part tale told over the course of what like 11 years yeah these you know? characters are so, real to us yeah, Julian so said it's 22 episodes it's a of an epic show. TV show yeah yeah you know I mean so I mean I, I on the one hand I agree with you about yeah earn it you know build to it but there's no way that anybody else is I mean the closest thing I think we've seen to this outside of this series has been the Harry Potter to a lesser degree Harry Potter well and it's the same characters in Harry Potter yeah, you know over that time well also know. not as satisfying because of all of the missteps what in Harry Potter yeah oh okay well you know that, know. That, that's another show <laughs> that's but, another show but, yeah. I just enjoy that way more I don't know the, the mm-hmm. movies yeah I was gonna say to carry on from what uh, Shereen was saying um, about character the thing that I found interesting also was what was done with uh, Tony character-wise because I know you were commenting on uh, the, the irony of, of him essentially having everything he wanted even though uh, everyone else had had such loss versus uh, what you were comparing with Clint. But the thing is, at the end of the day, like Tony, at least, whether, whether it's in the comics, but at least what they establish in the movies is he's very much a tinkerer and mm-hmm. uh, he just can't let things go. So, like, it, it was interesting to have that dynamic with him and Potts about him actually having the opportunity to not really go forward with what they, they're playing or with the time machine of him solving that yeah. and her actually giving him the okay because she knows that, like, he wouldn't be able to let it go. Like He, he has to come He through. has to follow through yeah. on what he's doing. So, like, mm-hmm. I liked that moment. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, that musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break. Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We're non-commercial. We're a community radio station. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters and our sponsors and listeners like you in order to be able to continue broadcasting. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. This is Fantastic Forum. We're going to pause momentarily to acknowledge our underwriters. I'm also going to take the time to promote a couple of the other shows coming up later today on 96.7 FM, but stick around because we're going to be talking more about Avengers Endgame right after this.
And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined in studio today by Shireen Nicole, Brandon Troy, and Julian Lytle. And we are talking Avengers Endgame, the movie that has literally taken the entire world by storm. In fact, here we are at our broadcast time at uh, 4.30 now. The movie has probably actually crossed $2 billion worldwide. So, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's taken aim at James Cameron's Avatar, and that's going to be shot down in the next two weeks easy. Maybe. You know, yeah, yeah well, you know, we'll have to see. So, um, okay. I had wanted to ask you guys because, you know, it sounds, I mean, we've, everybody pretty much has a love affair with this movie. Um, but I'm curious, is there anything that you didn't like or that you didn't think worked in the film? Uh, we'll start with you, Julie. Ooh. Yeah, because him and Julian and Endgame were in counseling. They tried, they tried to save their relationship. Yeah. They're in counseling. <laughs> okay. So there's a moment. After the first act, that you know, you set up everything, and they do like a little time jump, and um, essentially it becomes the leftovers for like a good thirty minutes. <laughs> the HBO series that lasted three seasons. But then we get into the point where Don Cheadle's roadie starts cracking jokes, and he cracks jokes for a good three minutes. It's not just jokes, but straight up shade and snark. Like yo, it's full. Mm -hmm. It's full. It's full. Um, Appetow comedy right there. There's a point where it goes full Appetow comedy. And that's Shut how he, in oh, which, that's good. In which the movie becomes Back to the Future 2 and they don't take nothing seriously. Mm. Mm. And for me, I was like, how fast can I get through this? Because that was, three it, was a, it was a good 50 minutes of that. The time heist section of the yeah, film. Back to the Future 2. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, I use that, did not spoil, but yet reference an idea of past selves meeting. There's, there's a, there's a, we got to do stuff and not see ourselves. <laughs> uh, uh, that was also, okay. Also, the discussion of the laws of time. Yeah, mm. it was too. It was too many jokes, and that's my one of my main issues with the Marvel movies. Like y'all ain't taking this, y'all ain't taking this seriously enough. Like it's funny, it's one of y'all joke, but but all all y'all gotta be funny. All the time? <laughs> is this a comedy now? That's what we doing. It's because it was the Ant-Man variety hour. That's Man, what it, you... it was fine if it was just Paul Rudd <laughs> or just Dude Thor. But no, nah, it was a whole squad. The Dude Thor. Again. Mm, Captain yeah. America making jokes about his own ass? Listen. Yeah, No, I hear you. I hear you. And, like, and you know, they did seem, because it was, let I me mean, tell you something. This movie, when they first, when the movie first started, and they were like, we got to go get Thanos. This thing was deadly serious. And yep. then it was like, not. It was a comedy, you know? And then it got serious again, you know? And it was like, wait a minute. All right, you know, so I, I understand what, what you're talking about. That didn't about. work for yeah. me. Uh -huh. It's fulfilling for fans of that. It works within the tone of the previous episodes of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> but it's an issue I have with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. One of the many. Okay. Along All with right. that color grading, which is not good. <laughs> Well, oh, come well, on. well. Hey, at least it was. At least, so flat? At, least, at least it wasn't as dark as the Battle of Winterfell. Woo! Okay. You couldn't even. They right. didn't want you yeah, to well, see that, the that, scene. Look, look. Son. That's a whole other thing. So, <laughs> Brandon, was there anything that you didn't like about this movie? Anything you think didn't work? Love you, Julian. Love you, man. Um, I would say my nitpick is how they handle Hulk. I was really irritated based off of like how he got 
and, and I'll, I'll, I'll put a blank expletive right here, but I'm not going to say it. But, but mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how they, based on how he got handled by Thanos in the first, in, in Infinity he War. He got his ass whooped. And he didn't, he didn't, like, get any type of retribution. I know people out there are going to say, oh, well, he got the, the glove and mm-hmm. he snapped them all back. No, yeah. like, he didn't get to do anything. He didn't get no, no, no moment. Yeah. Nothing, nothing. And I mean, you have the whole moment with him being Professor Hulk. Like, you, you, you make you make that a moment and I feel like outside hmm. of him helping with the, uh, uh, with, with the, the time machine, uh, he really didn't get much to do. So hopefully, you know, going forward, I know we'll get to that, but hopefully going forward, he'll get mm. more to do. You know, now it's a frightening thing to consider, but with this movie having been at least the cut that we saw, the, the theatrical release being three hours, and intellectually you know that there had to have been stuff left on the cutting room floor. Lots. You wonder how long the director's cut is. And so my assumption is, quite frankly, that Hulk yeah, gets yeah, a little payback yeah. in the director's cut, but you know the editor is looking at this, and he's looking at his watch, and it's like, you know what? I'm sorry, Hulk. People are just going to say you didn't get a chance to get any payback, you know, but I, one would hope. But that I'm there telling was you, you couldn't, you couldn't pinch out some moments that you had with, with Marvel... That that inter- exchange with Marvel and Thanos, and that I- exchange with uh, Scarlet and Thanos, you, you, you couldn't have pinched out some time. No, but you surely could. You, you look, you surely could have pinched out some of them comedy jokes. They, they <laughs> out, like, dude, some of Rhodey being snarky. You know. female, I mean, no, movies. I get it. I like yeah. those moments, but I'm just saying, like, you telling me there's not one moment out of that battle you couldn't pinched of him. Not, not even fighting Thanos. Like he could have fought the 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 guy from the Black Order that he fought in in the Hulkbuster from Infinity War. He oh yeah, that was like, he could have gotten. Something, but he was hurt. What's his name? They, 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 um, they could have put something black. in. But I'm they saying it, it, it would have been tight. Mm-hmm. It would have been tight no, if he you. was fighting even just with one arm. I understand that one arm was injured, mm-hmm. but can you imagine like how epic that would have been if he was just still fighting him just with one arm? Mm-hmm. Like, Who did that? The one arm brawl. Huh? Yeah, Shereen, what um, about you? But I, what did was there anything you didn't like? You know, it, surprisingly enough, I was going to plead the fifth. Oh, okay. uh, but then Brandon is. said Hulk, and there then I thought about one. more than five amendments. But I'm going to take them, sir. <laughs> what? <laughs> listen. No, you know Dave Chappelle. Listen, Did y'all see that? Reclaiming my time. Oh, Reclaiming my time. Pew. One, two, three, four, Reclaiming five. my time. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I was going to. <laughs> I was. I shall not plead. L- listen. No, keep oh, talking. Oh, you about I'm to not, catch yeah. this filibuster right here. <laughs> so what I'm so, but then I thought Brandon mentioned Hulk, mm-hmm. and then I thought about one moment that irritated me because mm. I was gonna let it go because I wanted to shock no, y'all don't with, let it without go. being critical. Don't let it go. I, Vince, Vince. Yeah, it was Brandon. when Hulk and um and Valkyrie saw each other again. One of the beautiful things about Thor Ragnarok was they had this fantastic brother-sister relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sparring, the tackling, the playfulness. They see each other again, and this is a whole... Let me tell you something. If five I see... Years. Five years. and I see Julian, and he wearing some glasses and speaking all professorial, like, and this like, is my, hey, this is my brawl buddy, I'm like, yo, I'm diving on him, and then I'm like, what's happening with the glasses? What? what how are you talking like this? They That was so dissatisfying to see her just be like, I think I liked you better the other way. I was like, you know what? Y'all messed that up because it was a beautiful relationship, mm. and I'm I'm about relationships. Well, that was that was simply the dialogue in there. But it was bad. Yeah. They don't right. care about hope. 
That was the problem because that was a beautiful relationship. Well, his movies don't do as well. Well, as the it's other not ones. his fault. First of all, Ang Lee is a master filmmaker, but giving him the Hulk is just weird. Hulk can't have no movies. The Hulk can have movies? We can't. Okay, well, let's go ahead. I was going to say, as you say that too, um, and I'm sorry, I'm uh, getting into actually some Star Trek stuff. That That's uh, uh, one other issue that I did have was mm-hmm. the way that they, they did Thor. They turned him into Worf. From from Star Trek, which me, and, and that well, okay for oh, Trekkies. This is something else that you well, didn't well, I'm like. Just saying, okay. I'm saying mm-hmm. with Trekkies, I know you got there, there's a whole uh, a feeling like what was done with Worf is that a lot of times when they have some character that's super strong, like they kind of use him as a way to kind of compare another character to see <laughs> oh, how yeah. strong they are. Yeah. So like he was just basically like the ragdoll, like oh let, let's let's trash around Thor because yeah, like we'll prove how tough somebody how tough is. someone is. Yeah, I hope that is, I hope that's not like a thing that's a continual mm-hmm. you know continual progression at with other MCU, MCU films, but at least. Uh, as a carryover from Infinity War, I felt like that was something that that was visible in this film too. That's a that's a Thor problem historically. That's he's the barometer of strength. If if you're not going to use the the Hulk has the weird I get stronger and I get madder thing, but he I think well see this is my thing. I think Thor's arc works because of what he lost mm-hmm. and because the dude. Like, he became the dude. Like, that is... Like, he took himself out of society. Like, that's my favorite part. Like, like it's, it's... To me, it works. And in the end, he got his man, but he was but he was kind of heavy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He couldn't really beast out on Thanos that heavy because, you know, he got the extra weight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like he could have beasted. He was. He was getting his mans. He was getting mm-hmm. his mans, but, you know, he got a little, he a little heavier. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's all good. Okay. Well, look... Um, I want to talk a little bit about where we go from here because um, we've got yeah we we um, we're we're closing in on the conclusion of the show for today, and I want to make sure that we have hit this because one of the things that fascinates me about all this, and this is as a longtime fan of the comic books, one of the things that I have found a little frustrating is that okay nothing ever changes for the people in the comic books. Right. There was a point where I was way younger than Spider-Man. And then there was a point where me and Spider-Man were about the, the same age. And now I'm way older than Spider-Man. And way. like in yes, way. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. Now, and um, you know, in, in in the world that I inhabit, if somebody is older than you, they're always older than you. And so I've had some issues quite frankly because at this point I'm probably Closing in. Actually, I'm probably older than Reed Richards at this point. Nah. You know, I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, you know, no, he is. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Listen, so wait, 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 wait. So, wait, wait. so here's the thing. Wait, wait. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, yeah. this is where I'm going with this. I'm, I'm so nothing changes for these characters in the comics, but with the events, and I'm only going to go so far in terms of spoiling stuff. But with the events in the, uh, well, you know, I mean, people die. I will say that. And in fact, I have said, when I die, I want to die in a comic book because then I've got. The the opportunity to come back. You That's the other thing. Even death isn't permanent in the comics. But she's a lady. Yes. So, all that having been said, I want to see if they, if they, if they progress, if they move this story forward in the MCU, because this is this is really the bottom line with it. Superman, Batman, these characters have been around a lot longer. Uh, they are more deeply inculcated in the cultural iconicness 
and you've had dozens, literally dozens of performers who have played these characters. And yet, in a significant way, there has only been one guy that is remembered right now as having played Captain America, even though there have been a couple for him. And only one that has literally played Iron Man. And one has to wonder if these roles, the way that the audience identifies these characters with these particular performers, could even legitimately be recast, even if they took a little break and then tried to bring another actor in. So I'm wondering if they can move this thing along like it's a real universe, age certain characters out, age certain characters in. So now, all that having been said, um, what comes next? I guess the thing that's interesting, and then they've planted a lot of seeds, a whole bunch that a lot of people I think kind of took for granted in this film, but uh, overall, I feel like the first film, or say this film, the Avengers, actually made a mess of of time and and my argument is this because first you have the instance with with uh loki which uh him you know getting the the uh the monster what tesseract sorry tesseract and creating a a alternate timeline um well he's got a show on disney well yeah i know (laughs) i know know, but still it's creating that alternate timeline and then um you also have the the instance of captain america deciding to stay um the fact that he decided to stay is creating its own alternate i feel alternate timeline um and then also uh even the ancient one actually commented on it um in that in that battle for New York, she talked about how the the stones needed to be, you know, in in the reality in order for you know things to function properly. And if Thanos has in essence like gotten rid of the stones, then that just opens the floodgates for other entities to you know take uh, to to become you know threats. Now you know you have Dormammu like he, he, you don't have the time stone around, so you don't really have even though you have the uh, uh, um, brain farting on the group, but even though you have elements in place to uh, to protect against it, you still don't have the the stones that would otherwise protect against other entities like whether it's Dormammu or even uh, Annalis could could come into play, um, and uh, and then I guess uh, additionally with it was. I guess it was those two two battles, but I, I I just say in general, like for what we have with uh, with Tom in general, there are a lot of things that that they can pick from in addition to the plants that they've the seeds that they've planted for characters that could potentially become like next generation Avengers. Because hmm. even like in the in what we uh, saw at the end. Um, we had uh, characters that, you know, may potentially, we don't know, but there's a possibility of becoming, you know, new Avengers, whether it's with Clint's, Clint's daughter, with the, the character that a lot of people didn't know who it was at, at the end, the, the kid from uh, Iron Man 3, you know, he may potentially, you know, take, take the mantle as uh, Iron Man, uh, among others, hmm. with uh, Ant-Man's daughter becoming hmm. stature. So. I prefer Shuri as Ironheart, but... Here's that. Yeah. The, my so, whole that. answer to that mm-hmm. is Jeremy Bear Me, which is all time is happening at once. And the Hulk's time theory is this, that the the future that you were presently in, if you go back to the past, then that future is your past, and therefore it can't be changed. 
that's that's they, that was how they were trying to explain the universe, which is why Nebula was able to do the assassination hustle that she did. Yeah. Um, now, does it all make sense? Yeah, I mean, we, none of us can really know uh, the variance of time. But um, that's that's what they that's that's the game that they're playing with it. So that they give themselves the opportunity to have the stones if they need them. But then again, if they don't want them in play, they can say, "Well, they're gone." It's it's that Marvel wiggly woo. <laughs> you know, hmm. they that's what they do. That's how they they keep themselves um, open to options. As far as what you said, I think that we will have. You're talking about the comic books, uh, um, Infinite Loop. There's an infinite loop in comic books, mm-hmm. and um, it's because comic book characters have to be topical. You know, our, our heroes have to be topical. But at the same time, so I think that it will be a longer loop than normal. Like, I still think it will end up being an infinite loop, but I think it will be a much larger loop than the one that we see in the comics. I think it'll go on for more years. Hmm. Okay. All right. Julian, what comes next? Um... I think it's kind of. I think it's kind of easy to tell. Personally, they're mm-hmm. not going to end the Avengers franchise. No, they'll become the new Avengers. They're going to take in our new our new lead cast members. You know, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, Spider Man, whoever else they decide to add in whenever they get their stuff together and make those other movies for the other franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, I did find Ant-Man. it interesting. Yeah, Ant Man, Ant Man and Wasp. Uh, I did find it interesting that. Um, they were setting up the Young Avengers. Definitely. I don't know if that's going to be a show or a movie, but clearly they got half of they got half of them, half of them already there. Um, I I don't know if if um this if they can survive the reboot in the way we know of a reboot. Um, I think people care too much about the actors playing these specific characters versus you know. Their competitors across the street, you know what I'm saying? We just <laughs> used to, we just used to like five different Supermans and eight different Batman. Right. Um, also, even with things like, well, I can't. Mm, use, yeah, different I Flash on TV versus in the yeah. movies. You that, know? That's one of Hellboy, my hot points that bothers me. You know, or Ninja Turtles. You know, they're gonna reboot Ninja Turtles like eight, seven times. We're just like, okay, I'm cool. Transformers. Because we're right, used back. to it, like you said. But Marvel, man, people we caring about these actors. Mm-hmm. To me, they become synonymous with each other. Mm-hmm. So if they die, they might have to just die. Good thing they got so many other characters, they can replace them, and they still ain't even use their real juggernaut. They still ain't really put an X-Men in yet. Yeah, we still haven't. Mm-hmm. But that's why I think it's a longer loop. Everything that you said is why I think it's a longer infinite loop or a larger infinite loop, but it's still eventually going to come back to rebooting it. But it's going to take a lot longer because of the investment the audience has in Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark. Yeah, I believe you. I just, I, I'm almost to the point that if it reboots, our idea of cinema won't exist anymore. Really? Yeah. Well, By I, the time it reboots. How do you think that's well, going to destroy the universe? Let, 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 me, let, me, let me add something to that because I think that you can respond to this simultaneously. Um, because a lot of people, uh, it will, industry people and critics, have uh, expressed some frustration and some fatigue, quite frankly, with the genre of superhero movies. And they're waiting for it to peter out, and it hadn't petered out. And so, along with what Shireen was asking you, Julian, is this ever going to end? Our audience is going to get tired of this. Are these people going to make these movies, and nobody goes, and the thing just flops? If a movie ticket costs me $18, 
that joint better look like it's worth eighteen dollars. So movie ticket people want to say that movie ticket prices aren't really going crazy, but they're not taking into account to different forms of cinema, like four DX, Dolby Cinema, all this other stuff. I don't think these movies are worth the cost of admission. Not every movie is worth the cost of admission anymore. So that's why other movies are not doing as well. But everybody and their mama go and see these Marvel movies. Like, I got a game respect game. Like, if I'm going to go to the movie theater and I got a family of three or four, yeah, what are we really going to see? We're going to see, we're going to see Disney movies. And this happens just to be a Disney movie. They're 40% of the market. <laughs> They're keeping the lights on at the movie theater. Now, if the movie theater goes the way of the Broadway play, a theater where it comes cause like too it's too costly for the average person to go see it then we'll get into a whole new thing and that's what I think at that point you'll reboot Marvel and something else but at that point everybody gonna have some type of crazy streaming app or something and it won't matter what technically a movie is versus a show hmm. I think there's a tipping point I think it's just the way the humans consume types of entertainment things are on a high and then I don't think the superhero movie will ever be gone completely, you know, but I, it will experience lows and then it'll go back up. It's just the nature of the thing. Even even Westerns in various formats make their comebacks, you mm. know. So it's not the Western that we remember. Then again, Westworld is the Western that we remember in in some ways with that science fiction thrown in. So I just think it's a, it's cyclical. It's, it's about these cycles, um, you know. It, so it'll have its rises and falls. It's just that the superhero films have staying power because it has so much variety. Mm. Well, and we've seen that cyclical thing that you're talking about because the age of the big-budget Hollywood superhero movie actually started in 1978 with uh, Ilya and Alexander Salkine's Superman the movie. Mm -hmm. And since that time, we've seen a lot of superhero movies that haven't done particularly well. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing to consider is when you look at uh, how incredibly well Avengers Endgame is doing, I mean, on a, it, it's playing in a little over 4,000 screens in the United States. And um, it's making or at least in the first week, it averaged $76,000 per screen. Now that's compared to the, the number two movie, which I don't remember what it was, but that was averaging like $4,000 per screen. Mm -hmm. So you conceivably have uh, one or two films during the course of a year that could potentially subsidize the operation of your entire theater operation for the rest of the year. That's what I'm saying. It already Disney, that's why I say Disney itself. To me, I think there's the superhero movie, and then it'll just be this constant Disney slate. Yeah. And it'll be one point where it's like the Marvel movie is the Marvel movie, and then there's the superhero genre itself. And I think we, we can get to a point where the Marvel movie can distance itself from the superhero movie as other people get tired of superheroes, and they might not see everybody else. But it's like, oh, I, well, I like the Marvel. I like Chris Evans. I like Chris You're saying Pratt. it can almost become like Disney animation, like Princess I movie. think it's already at that point. Hmm. All right. Well, in the last couple of minutes that we have left, um, I'd just like to get sort of you all's last words on this stuff. And uh, Brandon, um, last words in like a minute or less. Overall, great film, great callbacks, uh, minor nitpicks, but overall... You know, a satisfying conclusion. Mm -hmm. Well, clearly, you you have seen it again today. Uh, <laughs> All right, um, Julian. Um, if you haven't seen any of these movies, don't go see this movie. 
it doesn't pay out. It doesn't work. Like you'll it's be confused. True. You'll ask your person questions. You want to annoy them in the movie. Go do your research. Go watch the movies. Then go see the movie. You can join in the fun. Just just binge real fast. And there's lists of which ones and you, you have, have to, to say. Watch. You don't have to see all of them. That's, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. Two things. I want to mm-hmm. shout out the Russo brothers because this is an incredibly good she piece did. of filmmaking. Uh, they just did a phenomenal job with it. It's better shot than than Infinity War. Everything about it is better than Infinity War, although it couldn't exist without Infinity War. But my, my second thing is, bring me my Storm movie. If you are uncertain of what to do, I will write it for you. Just bring me my Storm movie. <laughs> and do Jubilee Justice. Also, right, and my She-Hulk series. I need my Dan Slot She-Hulk series. Thank you. Good night. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't know that uh, I exactly have a last word here, but uh, I can tell you that um, I was extremely impressed by this movie, and um, I'm interested in what Marvel does next, and, you know, particularly when it comes to uh, the standpoint of um, whether or not they can actually continue to make movies that people are going to go see. I mean, I, I, I felt with Infinity War, and I said this, they painted themselves into a corner. And how do you go back to fighting men with guns and any sort of thing that is less than cosmic and universe-shaking? I mean, it seems like something similar to what the comics industry got into in terms of the whole oh, we've got these epic crossover events and we're doing three of them a year, and the universe is threatened in every one. You know, I mean, that's just, I don't see how you do that. So, that's just me. We'll see you in July. Nah, I suppose we will. Good gracious. <laughs> all right, well, look, um, that's all the time that we have for today's show. Uh, I want to thank uh, all my guests. Uh, of course, uh, Shireen, you can catch on Adobe Radio. And, uh, you know, you've, in addition to all the other stuff you, because you're, you know, chief creative officer over there. And, but you do a show called Geek Girl Riot, among other things, you know. Mm-hmm. Where, and, you know, I had somebody asking me about Geek Girl Riot, and I found it as a podcast on Adobe Radio. You can do and that. Yeah, so somebody was like, because they were looking for it on iTunes, and I'm like, I don't it's know. It's there. It's on iTunes, too? It's on iTunes. All right, well, I'm going to be excited to tell them Everywhere that. fine podcasts are sold, you can find Geek Girl Riot simply by typing in Geek Girl Riot. There you go. We'll see you there. All right, okay. And Brandon Troy, Movers and Shakers Unlimited. Yes, Movers yeah. and Shakers mm-hmm. Unlimited. Uh, you can find us at any, you know, pop culture event. Expo, what have you, film festival. Um, may have something to announce for next month. I will keep you posted, so stay tuned. Something pretty awesome, but uh, otherwise, yeah. There you go. All right. And uh, Julian Lytle, um, Ignorant Bliss. It's yes, my podcast. You can find it on uh, most of the major podcasts. Uh, ways to listen to podcasts, I would say Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and the like. Uh, you can read my reviews on Adobe Radio. Um, you can find me on social media at Julian Lytle, L-Y-T-L-E. Okay. All right. And, of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. You can check us out uh, if you go to Arlington Independent Media. We're on at 8 p.m. Saturdays and Sundays. And come back next week, same bat time, same bat station, and check us out on Fantastic Forum TV.